I am personally very dedicated to trying to respect the difference between Advent and Christmas. Some might, and even have, called me an Advent Scrooge. This means that, for example, except for certain public events at which my attendance is required, I do not sing or listen to Christmas songs until 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. As you might expect, this is really hard to pull off. In the car, I have to avoid all my Christian radio stations and half of the secular stations, too. I have to minimize my time in Walgreens or Home Depot or literally anywhere that is not my house or the church. But even though it's hard, I find the practice worthwhile. I do not experience the same Christmas burnout that so many other people report, and I definitely feel the longing that our Catholic liturgies describe so beautifully during December. And, aided by the fact that my family gift exchange is now quite limited, respecting Advent also allows me to avoid all the blatant commercialism that Christmas has become. The only problem is that I love Christmas hymns. They are so beautiful and powerful, and they stretch across cultures and eras. So you can be sure that now that we are in the liturgical Christmas season, I have been blasting those things nonstop, whenever I can, on whatever album I can find them. Now, because it's Christmas, I've been down to Seattle, like, I can't even remember how many times in the last five days. So on one drive this week, I was struck by how many of these hymns mention silence. To quote a Lutheran pastor who makes parody YouTube videos, I'm not sure that the birth of Christ was especially silent. I mean, there were animals in the cave with Jesus, and there were angels singing and shepherds and magi visiting, and I'm sure many other things besides. The Bible itself never says anything about silence. So why has this image of silence become so pervasive in our Christmas hymns? First, the idea of silence is intended to invoke a mystery. When we see something that takes our breath away, we are silent before it. And what could be more mysterious or awe-inspiring than the Word made flesh? Before the mystery of the Incarnation, the only possible response is reverential silence. And honestly, the birth of Jesus was such a big deal that all those animals and shepherds probably did fall silent before the mystery of the Christ child. But the other thing that the image of silence communicates to us is how completely hidden was this central event in the history of the world. The inns of Bethlehem were full, and yet how many people in that town knew that the Savior of the world was being born in a cave only a few meters away? And how many of the leaders in Jerusalem, only seven miles to the north, understood that the Messiah they had been awaiting had finally come. And no one in the rest of the Roman Empire or outside of it had any inclination that that night was so impossibly different 
than any other night. The Bible tells us that some people knew. The angels informed a group of shepherds. The Magi followed a star and alerted King Herod. But how many people is that? Twenty? Thirty? And how many people were added to this number over the next thirty years? Maybe another thirty who witnessed Jesus teaching in the temple at the age of twelve? For thirty years, the Savior of the world walked this earth, and maybe sixty people knew about it. That is an incredible silence. The most important person ever born, God himself made man, was just an anonymous face, walking unknown and unappreciated for most of his life. This is why Pope St. Paul VI famously refers to the Holy Family in Nazareth as a school of silence. The Holy Family was not showy or ostentatious. Mary and Joseph, these two great saints that we have venerated for almost two millennia, were equally anonymous. The three of them were just another family in Nazareth, unappreciated by their neighbors, unknown by their co-workers. They were ordinary, lost in the silence of daily life. In my experience, this is exactly how God works, in the silence. Rest assured, God is always working. God loves us infinitely. God united himself to our humanity so that he could save us from our sins. He has never stopped working for our salvation, and he never will stop working. But so often that work is carried out in silence. We constantly wonder where God is and what he is doing, especially in times when we are struggling and suffering. I promise you, he is there, working, in places and ways that we cannot see and may not see for a long time. When I counsel people in difficult situations, they often want to know why such a horrible thing has happened to them. I give them theology. I remind them that God does not override free will, and that the world is broken and damaged by sin, so we are always going to be faced with evil on this side of the second coming. And I reassure them that God never desires these evils, that God is not vindictive and does not punish, that evil is not part of God's plan. But then I tell them that why is the wrong question. Asking why something happened will only drive us crazy. Instead, the right question to ask in difficult times is, where is God in all of this? How is God working, even now, even in this disaster? Because again, I promise you, God is always working. Sometimes, and this is hard for people to accept, sometimes God's work looks like just hanging on. When we feel like we are about to drown and that our heads are barely above water, it is natural to ask, 
why God would let us struggle so much. But oftentimes, it is only because of God that we are still able to gasp for air. Oftentimes, God's work in the silence is the only thing keeping us from collapsing entirely. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I think we can all agree that the silence of God is often maddening. We want to know what he is doing, how he is working, where we can find him. But that just does not seem to be how God works. He works in the silence, in the shadows, in places that we do not appreciate until much, much later. He worked in Bethlehem without anyone knowing, and he lived a quiet life in Nazareth in utter obscurity. Today, he continues his work in our hearts and in our lives, whether we realize it or not. The Savior of the world has come, and he does continue to save us.